Happy Halloween, everybody. This is your co-host, Nick. Uh, So this episode is episode 17. It's very good. Trick or treat. But I have to tell you right up top, um, there are a few issues with Joe's audio. Nothing major, just some blips throughout. I tried to fix as many as I could. Uh, There was also like a connection issue. So sometimes like his voice will slow down in the middle of him saying some words. But it's kind of spooky. I think it's kind of apropos for Halloween. So, um, you know, we're, we're always trying to tweak the, uh, the technical, uh, details of what we're doing with the remote stuff. But the good news is that Joe and I will be in the same town, uh, for the next couple of months. So we won't have to deal with any of that, but, um, uh, just want to let you guys know. Also, one more thing I wanted to say, I do, um, mention my one man show that I'm doing November 4th, uh, at the yard in LA. Um, it's actually at 7:30. I say 8 PM in the podcast, but it's 7:30 PM. Get your tickets at Eventbrite, Unconditional, uh, by Nick Pupo. Enjoy the episode, folks. The only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the only horror movie podcast. I am Nick. And I'm Joe. This is a horror movie podcast. Uh, where I, Nick Pupo, uh, I don't know anything about horror movies. I know very little. And uh, Joe knows a bunch of stuff. I know some stuff. Oh, you know some things. You've been around the block once or twice. And every week, Joe tells me to watch a movie. I go and I watch that movie. And then we come back and we talk about it. And uh, this week, we're doing Trick or Treat, apostrophe R. Yeah, from 2007. That's right, 2007, folks. It's a good movie. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my, dare I say, all-time favorite movies. It's like, uh, I don't know. I, I love it a whole lot. I've been looking forward to doing this one since we started this podcast. That's really exciting to me. Uh, so, so Joe, you went to uh, you went to like some kind of film thing, uh, horror film thing. Yeah, yeah. Went to see uh, Miskatonic University put on an event with uh, Tom Holland, writer and director of Fright Night. Uh, child's play thinner yeah a bunch of other stuff and uh it was really great you know he's a very cool guy very nice got to meet him uh, he told a bunch of amazing stories about all his uh you know going back from his career starting with the early 60s wow yeah he knew a lot of like legendary people because he was like he's been in sag since like 1962 or something wow he didn't really get movies made as like a writer and filmmaker until the 80s but it was awesome that's badass yeah yeah he signed my child's play poster very nice dude too yeah, that rules. You mean anybody else? Did you see any movies? What what, what else was uh, was there? Uh, this was just a conversation. It was just a, an event for him. Oh, dope. It was just like a, a conversation with Tom Holland. Wow. Uh, so it was just, you know, him and a moderator asking him questions. And uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I'm out here. I ran my one man show uh, last uh, uh, last Tuesday, this past Tuesday. And it was OK. The it was a reality check. Like the first one was really good. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great show. And then the second one was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Well, you know, the material was fresh for the first one. And now you kind of like are going back through trying to remember it and stuff. And that always makes it sometimes when you do a new bit, it works really well. And then the second time around, it's like, you know, doesn't uh, hit quite as hard. Yeah. I think there's something about the freshness of, of, a, of a new thing and trying it out and like the excitement and also just like trying to figure it out as you say it. And then the next time you do it, you're trying to recreate things. And it's just like. It feels a little bit manufactured and then you have to kind of like just practice it until you arrive at the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then like later it'll start to like sort of 
take shape. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the 4th. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited. If you guys are in uh, L.A. on November 4th and you uh, happen to be around, uh, what's it called, The Yard around 8 p.m., you should come by. You can get tickets. Tickets are 10 bucks, And you can meet me and Joe. Yeah, we'll be there in person. Nick will be performing. I'll be hanging out, but you can say hi. Yeah. Uh, and then you can catch both of us on November 14th at Frog World yeah. at Eno Vino Wines in L.A. A stand-up show by our buddies uh, Tom and Newman and Monique. Yeah. And that's at 8 p.m. as well. Yeah. Uh, my, our buddy Big Tim from Orlando will be there, too. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking great show. So if you're in L.A., definitely consider checking that one out. It's free, too. Come meet the host of the Only Horror Movie Podcast. We'll sign whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. No one's ever asked me to sign a thing in my life, but if you want me to, I will. Yeah, that would be cool. It would really make our days and maybe our lives if you wanted us to sign something. We'd, 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 uh, we'd, we'd act really humble, you know, but then we in our heads, we'd be like, oh, this is cool. Not me. I, mean, I, have, I have a huge ego. I'll be a total dickhead. Yeah, right. No, I can see it already happening. Joe's head yeah. can see it expanding on the video. Go immediately to my head. Um, you know, I'm just going to turn into a tyrannical dickhead <laughs> immediately. <laughs> That's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait to see that. Just look forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. So yeah, man, I, other than that, things are good. I went on a date with uh, with my Italian uh, mistress last night. We went to the, the Little Italy in the Bronx. Oh yeah, you were telling me about those plans. How'd that go? It was a lot of fun. We went to a place called... Uh, Cero Oro Nevo? Cero Oro Nevo? Oh, yeah. We all know. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I believe that it's zero eight nine. Yeah, but Cero Oro Nevo. So it's like, or Nove. Yeah, Cero Oro Nove. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, they just wanted to make it. Oh, yeah. Good Italian accent. Thanks, there. man. I'm really working on it. I'm taking yeah. Italian lessons. I can tell you're taking lessons. Yeah, man. I'm really... Uh, Really up in my game here. Going back to the roots. Yeah, you'd be able to watch uh, Argento and Lucio Fulci movies without the dubbing or subtitles. Yeah, that'd be sick, dude. Learn how to scream in Italian. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, the movie this week, folks, is Trick or Treat from 2007. And um, it, it was a lot of fun, Joe. I got to tell you. In my opinion, it's just like a goddamn masterpiece. It's like, a, for me, personally, it's like a perfect movie. It, uh, you know, I, I, you told me that, that you're really excited about it. And, uh, I read some comments in the YouTube channel, uh, or just on YouTube where I rented it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and people are just calling it a masterpiece as well. And I mean, yeah, I watched it and I was like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's, it's very well done. It's, it, it flows incredibly well. You got Brian Cox in the movie. Brian Cox, Academy Award winner, Anna Paquin, you know. Which one's Anna Paquin? Uh, she's Lori. Oh, Lori. Yeah, she won. she's the second youngest person ever to win an Academy Award. That's right, Anna Paquin. Yeah, yeah, she's great. And it was for the piano. She's in True Blood and the X-Men movies, too. Yeah, she's fantastic. So, yeah, the movie was really cool, man. I, I Great Halloween movie. Uh, by the way, folks, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This one will be out, if everything goes according to plan, on October 31st, on the day. I wanted to pick the ultimate Halloween movie. For the day when the uh, veil between the living and the dead is thinnest. That's right. And that's today, folks, if you're listening. Yeah. So uh, happy Halloween. This is a big day. This is a big day for the only horror movie podcast. And it's a big day for all of us. It really is. You know, when you're, when you're a horror movie fan, October just takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas will be fun, too, because they kind of... Uh, we kind of co-opted that. And there's a bunch of Christmas-themed horror movies, too, that we'll do. Yeah, you bunch of horror freaks taking over every ho holidays by the way 
Uh, I should mention you guys can uh, follow us on Instagram. You can email us at the only horror movie pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We really uh, would. And you can join the discord. Yes. Uh, our old friend, Remy Mitchell, who we knew from Orlando, who currently uh, has the discord going. So if you join, there will actually be, you know, someone there to post things and interact with. And we hope to grow that thing. Yes. In, uh, into an unstoppable monster over time. Yes. Yes. That's the goal, folks. And, uh, you know, we're very excited. We, we, you know, we're getting a lot of positive feedback from this podcast and, um, you know, we got some people who really like it and, and, uh, tell your friends, you know, just rate the podcast five stars, review it on Apple podcasts, uh, share it on social media, email us at the only horror movie pod at gmail.com. Just reach out and just be a friend of the pod. I, uh, we say this every episode, but we truly appreciate it. It means a lot to us that you guys are listening to it and that you enjoy it polite suggestions we're uh, happy to receive your feedback yeah please be polite but if you don't want to be polite you know we'll take your words we'll take them yeah we can take it yeah we can take it we're ben <laughs> joe's gonna yeah. be married soon just a few short weeks away yes folks so wish him a happy marriage you know not that people ever do that but you should <laughs> yeah 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 you should uh by the way our next movie uh it's going to be audition from 1999 audition yeah, we're going. Okay. Uh, we're going Asian, Japanese, to be specific. Ooh, ooh, that's exciting and hardcore, disturbing. All right, okay, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into the movie, Joe. Why don't you tell us? Uh, tell us about Trick or Treat. Yeah. So, uh, Trick or Treat came out in 2007. It was written and directed by Michael Doherty, uh, and produced, unfortunately, by Brian Singer, uh, who has multiple sexual assault allegations against him <laughs> by underage boys oh no going back to 2014 and i put a link to uh where you can read about that in the show notes um, yeah happy halloween folks spooky stuff don't want to dwell on that creep no 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 but the movie stars dylan baker brett kelly sam todd anna paquin christopher connor levins and brian cox yeah the origin of trick-or-treat uh is uh Michael Doherty created an animated short film in college when he was at NYU in 1996 called Seasons Greetings, okay. uh, which features uh, Sam, who's one of our main characters from this movie, and wanted to mention the rules of Halloween, because that's a big thing in this movie. Yes. Number one, always wear a costume. Number two, always hand out candy. Three is never blow out a jack-o'-lantern before midnight. Four, always check your candy. Five, never take down your decorations before November 1st. Six is never hurt the innocent. And seven is respect the dead. Yes. Now, Michael Doherty is an American film director, screenwriter, and producer, best known for Trick or Treat, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Krampus. He also co-wrote the screenplays for X2, Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, and Superman Returns, and the stories for X-Men Apocalypse and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, he also worked on four comic book prequels to Superman Returns and a comic book tie-in to Krampus called Krampus, Shadows of St. Nicholas. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I noticed you said X2. That movie rules. Yeah, yeah. He was a co-writer on that one. I think that's, you know, aside from this one, that might be his best work. All right. So you want to get into it, Joe? Yeah, we should because uh, it was hard, like, you know... I try to summarize some of the notes like uh, for the plots of these movies, but this one has so many details that it's like they're all so significant. You can't really leave them out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we'll go through it and I'll uh, I'll throw some comments in here and there. Also, a quick uh, happy birthday to your fiance, soon to be wife, Nikki. 
Oh, thank you. I will tell her that. She'll be very happy to hear that you wished her a happy birthday. Good. Yes, it'll be a little late when the podcast comes out. But everybody, if you want to reach out and say happy birthday to Nikki, uh, at theonlyhorrormoviepod at gmail.com. Yeah, you can email us and I'll forward it to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. All right, folks. Let's get into it. This is the plot synopsis for Trick or Treat from 2007. Uh, we open on an old black and white newsreel on Trick or Treat safety. A 1950s style narrator goes through all the rules kids should follow while trick or treating. Suddenly, the film begins to skip. We cut to the face of a glowing jack-o'-lantern, which fades into a leaf-littered sidewalk on Halloween night. We see a yard decorated with white sheet ghosts. An SUV nearly hits someone, pulling a red wagon with a jack-o'-lantern in it. Uh, a costumed couple is walking down the street. The wife, dressed as a cardboard box, ro- uh, as a cardboard box robot, is complaining about how much she hates Halloween. She goes to blow out the jack-o'-lantern, and her husband warns her that they're supposed to keep it lit because of ancient tradition. She says, honey, it's Halloween, not Hanukkah, before blowing out the jack-o'-lantern. The husband warns her to be careful, saying, these are the rules. You might upset someone. We see a POV from across the street. Someone is watching them as the wife pulls off her costume and they head inside. The unseen watcher heads to the house, inspecting the unlit pumpkin. The husband is horny, as husbands tend to be. Oh, yeah. That's going to be you soon, Joe. Yep. But his wife says that she's taking down the decorations because if her mom sees them, she'll have an aneurysm. He's disappointed, but she tells him to go inside and watch the tape. Yeah. I have to wonder what her mom's problem is. You know, she's like an evangelical Christian or something. She could be, but uh, the, the, sp- the decorations are not all that spooky. No. Yeah. Maybe she's just about to, about to die. They're fun, festive decorations. Although there are some like uh, severed limbs hanging from the trees. That is a bit spooky. So she kisses him goodnight. She sighs and says, I hate Halloween. Inside, the husband grabs a VHS tape that says nature special and puts it in the VCR. His wife begins to tear down the decorations in disgust. Across the street, she sees a creepy figure in a white mask staring at her. She looks on nervously until a car pulls up and he gets inside. This is kind of reminiscent uh, of uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. He's staring. He's got the white blank mask staring, kind of like, you know, Michael Myers ghost face vibes. Yeah, just in plain sight. She goes to take down another ghost when suddenly something flies up from under the sheet and tackles her to the ground. Inside, her husband is watching porn, not the nature documentary, and he's dozing off. Kind of a nature documentary if you if you think about it. It's animalistic. It is natural. We hear shrieking. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty that's natural in a way. So we hear shrieking as the unseen figure under the sheet is all over the wife, attacking her as she screams. They spill out onto the sidewalk as horrified trick-or-treaters look on. Suddenly the figure brandishes a large jack-o'-lantern lollipop with a bite taken out of it, revealing a jagged sharp edge, and uses it to tear her throat open. Blood spatters all across the uh, street as the trick-or-treaters take off running before a tiny figure drags her body into the yard. Yeah, great weapon, by the way. That's a slasher weapon I've never seen before. Oh, it's kind of the perfect weapon for a little kid. Yeah, jagged ass, sharp lollipop. <laughs> yeah, rules. So inside, the husband wakes up to static on the TV screen. Nature documentary is over. He heads outside to find the decorations still up and his wife is missing. He notices bloody limbs hanging down from the tree branches, but he's, you know, aren't they just his own decorations? Mm, they look a little more real now. They look a little more real. So one of the ghosts lights up glowing orange. He pulls the sheet off, horrified to find his bloody dismembered wife crucified on one of the poles that holds the ghosts. An orange lollipop is shoved sideways into her mouth and he screams. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty gruesome, but pretty uh, funny face, too, with that lollipop shoved in there. Yeah, it's all stretched out, silly like. 
So we cut to an animated title sequence showing pages from a Halloween comic book. Burning orange letters spell out trick or treat as the symphonic score reminiscent of Psycho plays and the pages of the comic reveal all sorts of creepy monsters and Halloween images. We see a shot of a kid's legs as he carelessly drags a pillowcase full of candy down the muddy, leaf-littered sidewalk. Cut to a blood moon as the camera pans down to a massive Halloween parade moving down the street of a small Midwestern town earlier that night. We see all manner of costumes, decorations, monsters, and fire-breathing stilt walkers moving to the rhythmic beat of a marching band's drumline. A newscaster announces, Werewolves, zombies, and demons of every variety. They've all descended on the normally sleepy town of Warren Valley, Ohio, where the holiday and all of its strange traditions are taken very seriously. It's only 8 o'clock, and the streets are already packed with costumed visitors, some to show off, others to blend in, but all to celebrate the magical night of Halloween, the one night of the year we can all pretend to be the scariest things we can think of. I gotta say, when I saw this, I was immediately jealous, because it's the kind of Halloween that I always imagined would happen, Mm -hmm. but never really, you know, they didn't get too into it in Florida for the most part. No, that's true. I've never seen a Halloween party like this, but, uh, you know... One day. It's like the whole town came out and put on like the best costumes they could and are just out partying and in this parade. And I think I would have liked it a lot more growing up if it were like that. Uh, L.A. gets more into it, though. L.A. is pretty into Halloween. So cut to a busy Halloween costume store. A girl in a dressing room is complaining to her friends about the costume they've chosen for her. This is Lori and Lori's friends. She's complaining about her tits popping out as a young kid peeks through the cracks of the door trying to get some action, you know? They're discussing their tradition of dressing up on all of the previous Halloweens. And the mother of the kid uh, knocks on the door complaining about their lewd conversations. They exit the dressing rooms. The girls are in their early 20s dressed in sexy Disney princess costumes. But Lori doesn't want to come out. Danielle, the blonde, says, open the door or we'll huff and we'll huff. Before Lori grudgingly exits dressed as a little red riding hood. They say that according to tradition, the next thing to do is meet their dates. Danielle is dressed as Cinderella. She hits on the cashier at the store, a nerd dressed as an elf, and invites him out to the party at Sheep's Meadow, saying, don't forget your costume, as they exit. Cut to a sidewalk, the chubby blonde kid dragging that pillowcase, wearing an orange t-shirt that says, this is my costume, is going down the street, smashing every jack-o'-lantern in his path. I remember a girl at my high school, like this weird, like, mall goth girl, had that same shirt that she wore on Halloween. Oh, hell yeah. Really did not like her. Oh, god damn it. That's too bad. I was gonna, I thought she maybe she was cool. Nah, like the Spencer Gifts ironic Halloween t-shirt. No, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, she sucks. Uh, his face is smeared with chocolate as he approaches a porch with a basket of candy that says, sorry, we're not home. Help yourself to one piece. He starts emptying all the candy into his bag when behind him a voice says, that can't be good for your diabetes, Charlie. He turns around stunned and a man in a, t- in a shirt and tie and glasses tells him not to waste a good lie on this. He tells Charlie to sit down and stay for a minute. And Charlie begins to make an excuse before he says before he says it again more forcefully. Uh, Charlie, played by Brett Kelly, is the kid from Bad Santa. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's in my favorite Halloween movie and probably my favorite Christmas movie. Hell yeah. Good track record. So cut to Lori and her costume friends walking down the street. They're lecturing her about why she's still a virgin before they bump into the husband from earlier and his robot wife. Lori says she wants her first time to be special. Two of them, Marie and Janet, approach a couple of news cameramen loading their gear into a van saying, that's some big equipment you got there. Uh, They say they have a problem. They have a party they're going to, but they don't have any dates. So they invite these slightly confused camera guys out for the night. Yeah, which is like, you know, if a 
And these girls are really good looking. If like a girl that hot is just openly hitting on you like that, just a FYI for anybody, she's going to murder you more than like. Yeah, absolutely. It's a red flag. And by red, we mean blood, folks. Mm -hmm. So back on the porch, the man in the tie, Principal Wilkins, is lecturing Charlie on Halloween traditions as he stuffs his face with candy bars. He says, tonight is the night that the dead and all sorts of other things roam free and pay us a visit before yanking a large knife out of a freshly carved jack-o'-lantern. He explains that all the Halloween traditions were started to protect them, but nowadays nobody really cares. Charlie begins coughing and his stomach begins to gurgle violently as Principal Wilkins lectures on. Charlie is getting increasingly sick as Wilson as Wilkins laughs at him. He says there's another very important tradition. Always check your candy before Uh-oh. Charlie. Yeah, exactly. There's another rule, folks. Charlie begins vomiting increasingly violent uh, spewing melted chocolate with, mixed with blood like a fountain before collapsing into Wilkins' lap. Principal Wilkins casually unwraps a lollipop before dragging the moaning, gurgling Charlie inside the house. Outside, a group of trick-or-treaters begin pounding on the door, yelling, Trick-or-treat, we know you're in there, we can see you! Wilkins yells, Just a minute! Before answering the door, covered in liquid chocolate and blood all over his shirt as the kids scream, but then they begin to laugh. The kid dressed as a pirate, says, Great costume, Mr. Wilkins, before one of the girls, Macy, dressed like an angel, asks if they can have a jack-o'-lantern, explaining that they're collecting them in a scavenger hunt for UNICEF. Wilkins creepily says, Happy Halloween, as the kids walk off, revealing another kid in orange pajamas and a mask made from a burlap sack with button eyes. Wilkins says, Didn't you get one? Before the kid silently and aggressively grabs a candy bar and walks off. We can hear a cat screeching from inside a sack that this kid drags as it bumps down the steps to the porch. Cut to Lori's friends partying in the news van. Danielle says she can help Lori find a guy. Lori tells them to go on and says that she'll meet them there. Her friends say, be yourself and play hard to get. And then they head off. Yeah. Where was Deputy Winston when these girls were out? He would have loved them. Oh, wait. Who's Deputy Winston? Deputy Winston uh, from uh, Cabin Fever. The party man. Oh, the party man. Yeah, he (laughs) would have fucking. partying. Oh, this would have been paradise for that guy. Fucking pervert. So, cut to inside a house. There's a table full of bottles of cyanide, arsenic, and other poisons next to a scale. Principal Wilkins walks past. He grabs a meat cleaver from the closet. Outside, he's dragging a body in a bag to a huge pit dug in the backyard. The pit is filled with bodies. Suddenly, a young kid, his son Billy, yells from the window, Daddy, I'm home from trick-or-treating, he says. Wilkins tells him to be quiet because he'll bother the neighbors and to go inside and watch Charlie Brown. Billy says, Charlie Brown's an asshole. And Wilkins says, Billy Wilkins, watch your language. So he proceeds to start burying the bodies when his neighbor's small dog sticks his head through the fence and begins barking at him. Wilkins pulls a finger off of one of the bodies and throws it to distract the dog before his disheveled elderly neighbor opens the door and calls for his dog. Spite! Wilkins hides in the pit, but one of the bodies yelps and begins to thrash. And the neighbor says, who the hell is that? I've got an NRA membership in my pocket and a shotgun over the fireplace. So get out. But before he can finish, Wilkins says, Mr. Krieg, it's Stephen, Stephen Wilkins. Krieg says, what in the what in God's name are you doing down there? Wilkins hiding bodies as Wilkins muffles the scream and stomps on the kid in the bag, explaining that the septic tank is just acting up. Krieg says it stinks like a dead whore out here. Uh, This is Brian Cox, by the way, Fox. Yeah. And Wilkins is Dylan Baker, who's another great actor. Yeah, he rules. So on the way inside, Krieg says, keep your kid out of my yard, you goddamn freak. And Wilkins says, happy Halloween. And Krieg replies, screw you, and closes the door. Suddenly, the kid inside the bag grabs Wilkins' foot, and he goes to slam the shovel down on him before Billy calls out, Daddy, I want to carve a jack-o'-lantern now, but I need your help with the eyes. 
Billy is, by the way, an obnoxiously cute little blonde haired boy. Uh, just adorable. Yeah. Uh, he asks if he can go to the parade with his dad later, but Wilkins says, no, daddy has a date as he beats the kid in the pit with a shovel. Later, we see that he's finished burying the bodies, planting a tree and placing a lawn gnome over it. Wilkins is complaining to himself, mocking Billy, saying, daddy, help me. Daddy, I wish mommy was still alive in a whiny voice. Oh. Over the fence, he sees Mr. Krieg knocking on his window and yelling for help. And Wilkins says, screw you, before heading inside. Just as he turns away, we see someone tackle Mr. Krieg out of frame. Inside, Wilkins is calling out for Billy, and he goes to pick up a knife before Billy pops out from under the table in a monster mask and scares him. Bah! Wilkins leads Billy downstairs to the basement, concealing a knife behind his back on the way. Billy prepares to carve the jack-o'-lantern as his daddy slowly sneaks up behind him with the knife. Billy says, let's carve a scary face this time. And Wilkins whispers, scary face it is, as he tenses up and raises the knife before slamming it down. We hear squishing sounds as Wilkins shudders a sigh of relief and pulls out the bloody knife. Yeah, it kind of looks like he just came. Yeah, he just fucking jizzed everywhere. Yeah. The camera pans down as we see he's demonstrating to Billy how to properly hold the knife. And Billy says, but don't forget to help me with the eyes. We cut to see Charlie's severed head on the table as they prepare to carve it up. Ooh, what a misdirect. Oh, yeah. Teaching his son to be a little junior serial killer. Yeah, sick fucks. Family tradition. Beautiful stuff. All it takes is your mom dying and the, the, the father and son just go completely nuts. Yeah, man. And Wilkins is so creepy, too. Like, you're like, oh, God, he's about to murder this kid for sure. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's a great character. So uh, cut to the three trick-or-treaters from earlier ringing another doorbell. They say trick-or-treat as a drunk woman in a cat costume answers the door laughing. Macy says, that's a great costume, Mrs. Henderson. As she drunkenly says, I know, isn't it perfect? She shakes her butt at them. Her tail tickles their faces as she offers them a drink, telling them it'll be our little secret. Macy asks if she can have their pumpkin. Cuts inside the party. People are moaning as a person in a hot dog costume grinds on a person dressed as a pig. The kid in the pirate costume says, holy shit as he watches in amazement. Mrs. Henderson hands them the jack-o'-lantern and says, be safe and watch out for monsters before shutting the door. Cut to the three kids, Chip, Macy, and Sarah, walking down the street, dressed as a pirate, an angel, and an alien. Chip says, Coach Taylor was in a hot dog costume, butt-fucking a pig, I think, before Macy cuts him off. We see a kid in a skull mask running down the street with a shopping cart. This is Schrader. Macy asks what he found, disappointed that he's only found three pumpkins, and he explains that some asshole went up and down the street smashing him. Macy says it's almost enough. Oh, yeah. By the way, they cut a scene from this. I watched like the deleted scenes. And, uh, there's a scene where they're going through their bags after going to that lady's house and they're pulling out condoms and one of them pulls a dildo out of the bag. Oh, right on. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey. probably good they left that out. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit excessive. I don't think uh, it, it. I think it takes you a little bit out of it. It's like uh, mm -hmm. that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> cut to the kids approaching a house. The yard is filled with glowing jack-o'-lanterns adorning every fence post hanging from trees in the windows and filling every available inch of the yard. Macy says, I didn't know she'd do this before Chip asks, is that Rhonda the retard? As a girl in a witch costume walks outside, Macy says, she's not a retard. She's an idiot savant before leaving Schrader to meet with Rhonda. Problematic, these kids. Very problematic saying retard and all that. So Schrader asks Rhonda if she carved all the jack-o'-lanterns herself. She says that she did and she made her costume too while looking at the ground. Schrader introduces himself, and Rhonda smiles and tells him her name before we cut. Back on Main Street, the parade is in full swing, and the camera moves down an alley to reveal a very drunk woman making out with a man in a black hooded robe. 
She says she wants another drink, and the man grabs her wrist and pushes her up against the wall and kisses her. She's drunk and moaning as he feels her up and kisses her before we hear grunting and a squishing sound. He licks her face, and she looks down to see blood running down her arms as the man backs up, revealing a black mask, a dribble of blood coming down from his fangs and mouth. Freaked out, she stumbles down the alley towards the drumline and the parade, but everyone ignores her screams. She reaches for help, and the wife in the robot costume pulls back. The husband explains that she's just drunk and ushers her away. She's asking for help, but everyone is drunk in, in makeup, displaying blood and grizzly wounds, so it just looks normal, you know? She turns around, and the masked man is there. He grabs her, and we cut to see him leaving her lifeless body next to some other drunk people passed out on the sidewalk. Just murdered her right in plain sight. Yeah, just murdered her, you know? And I think in all this uh, chaos and this big uh, Halloween party, you know, you, you can't tell the difference, Joe. Perfect night to cover up a crime, honestly, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, on 4th of July if you want to shoot somebody, you know? Yeah. So, Which you should not do. You should not do. I've done a few times and regretted it. So I did. Some I, people, you know, they have it coming. All of the people that I did it to had it coming and I had to do what I had to do. But uh, uh, I'm done with that kind of stuff. That's the old me. Yeah, you've moved on, you know. Yeah. Uh, the hooded man moves off to join into the parade and we cut to Macy and the other kids walking past a pumpkin patch. Rhonda's explaining the history of Halloween of Samhain to Chip. She says Samhain, as known as All Hallows' Eve, also known as Halloween, uh, predating Christianity, the Celtic holiday was celebrated on one night between autumn and winter when the barrier between the living and the dead was thinnest uh, and often involved rituals that included human sacrifice. Chip gives her a weird look and she says she likes his eye patch. They open a gate to reveal an old trailer at the edge of a cliff at an abandoned rock quarry. Macy says that they're there to pay their respects to the dead, and she impatiently cuts everyone off to tell the story of the Halloween school bus. It happened 30 years ago on a late Halloween afternoon. A school bus full of disabled children and extremely creepy homemade Halloween masks are being driven to a school just outside of town. Uh, the bus driver makes an unexpected turn, and the kids are uneasy. A kid in a Dracula mask says, wrong way, wrong way, as they pass the pumpkin patch where the kid in the burlap mask and orange pajamas is poking around at a dead bird. The driver brings the bus to an abandoned rock quarry. Macy explains that the exhausted parents approached the bus driver and made him an offer. That's a lot of exhausted parents. Well, these kids are, they're, they're just vaguely, we don't know in what way they are disabled, but they say that they're troubled children. If you've ever seen photos of like old 1940s Halloween, like the costumes were just fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because they were all just like homemade, like little ghouls and ghosts and goblins and stuff. And like, yeah, they're just like these big pale masks with like no eyes. And yeah, they all just look like a bunch of little like Michael Myers is like, yeah, yeah, they're terrifying. So he passes out candy to the kids before chaining them to their seats. The boy in the Dracula mask uh, manages to get loose, saying, home, I just want to go home, before putting the bus into gear, sending the bus, the kids, and the driver off the edge of the cliff. As the bus sinks, pumpkins and Halloween masks float to the surface. We see that the bus driver managed to escape. We hear him wheezing as he makes it to the water's edge. Macy says that the bus driver was never heard from again, and that the bus sank so deep that it couldn't be found, or that the town didn't want it to be found, as she and her friends nervously look over the cliff. She says they're bringing eight jack-o'-lanterns as an offering to the eight kids who died. Yeah, Macy's real mean, by the way. Yeah, she's a mean girl. So Schrader compliments Rhonda's jack-o'-lantern before he, Sarah, and Macy take a rusty old service elevator to the bottom of the quarry. Uh, Macy says it'll only hold three kids at a time and that she'll send it back up for Chip and Rhonda. 
Back on Main Street, Lori is in her little red riding hood costume wandering around looking for a date. She goes to approach a guy in a horse costume, but before she can do that, the guy's girlfriend pops up out of the rear end. Classic. Classic. Classic cartoon gag. Classic cartoon gag. And, uh, you know, also, I felt bad for that girl in that moment. Yeah. She just had to be inside of her boyfriend's ass for the whole night. Yeah. Walking all bent over, too. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. They bent over the whole night. <laughs> yeah. We know who wears the pants there. So she checks out a burly Viking only to reveal that it's a female bodybuilder. Waiting by the local museum, Danielle calls and says she's found a date for Lori, just as Lori notices a man in a black mask and hooded cloak checking her out. Danielle says that she found her a guy, and Lori asks if he's young and cute. We see that he's a chubby dude dressed as a giant baby in a diaper and a bonnet, and Danielle says uh, he's really, really nice. Lori says, oh, so he's hideous, and Danielle says beggars can't be choosers before hanging up. The nerd in the uh, elf ears goes to kiss Danielle, and uh, she says, not now, Andrew. And he says, my name's Josh. And she says, whatever, without bothering to turn and look at him. We hear a howling as we cut to Chip and Rhonda waiting for the elevator. Rhonda says, werewolves, just as the elevator reaches them. As they take the elevator down, Chip and Rhonda overhear Macy, Sarah, and Schrader talking before they start to scream. They can only see from above glowing jack-o'-lanterns in the dense fog as they go out one by one. Chip is terrified and wants to go back up the elevator, but it keeps moving down until it reaches the ground. He calls out for his friends, but no one responds. Rhonda unlocks the cage to the elevator and steps out to look for Chip's friends. She tells him not to let the candle go out and they'll protect him. Rhonda looks for the other three at the bottom of the quarry. It's filled with reeds and boulders and shrouded in fog. As she searches, she comes upon the wrecked bus sticking out of the lake. She sees Schrader and Sarah's masks floating in the water. As she goes to pick one up, a hand reaches out and grabs her as a masked zombie comes crawling out of the mud. Rhonda runs and screams until she comes upon a zombie feasting on Chip's guts. The zombies rattle chains as they chase Rhonda, who trips and drops her glasses. One of the zombies stomps on her glasses as they chase her through the misty quarry. Rhonda steps back as the zombies approach and she falls into a ditch. Rhonda is unconscious now. And as the zombies approach, we hear Schrader's voice say, oh, shit. Cut to Rhonda waking up as a zombie with Sarah's voice asks if she's dead. Rhonda screams and punches her and begins to crawl away as Schrader calls out to her. The three of them take off their mask and Macy laments, it was all going so well. Rhonda screams, you're all dead, as Schrader explains. It was just a trick. None of this is real. He says it was just a bad joke as an unsympathetic Macy scowls and says, I'd say it was a pretty good one, as Rhonda whimpers on the ground. And just bullying a local autistic girl. It's really fucked up. It's very fucked up and... uh you know, hopefully Macy gets what's coming to her. Schrader checks out Rhonda's head injury and says that they're leaving. Macy says, says who? As Rhonda sobs. So Schrader asks Macy uh, what else she wants. And he says that, that Rhonda's scared out of her mind. They go to leave and Chip notices that one of the jack-o'-lanterns is still lit. Macy kicks it into the water, extinguishing it. Chip asks how the school bus got in there, if this was all a trick. And Macy says... Well, that part is true before they start to hear children's voices whispering. Macy says she's not in the mood, but Chip says it wasn't him. Meanwhile, Schrader is waiting with Rhonda as they begin to hear the others scream. He says, not again, but they keep screaming and Schrader tells Rhonda to wait as he goes to check. He runs into Macy and she's sobbing and screaming and says that they heard voices and they need to leave now. Suddenly, the zombified kids from the bus appear covered in mud, coming for them. They run, and as they do, something grabs Sarah's chains and begins dragging her backwards into the fog as she screams. The others keep running until they reach the elevator. Rhonda is inside with a lit jack-o'-lantern and the gate locked. They beg her to open, but she just stares back at them before sending the elevator back up. She waves down at them as they scream and beg while the other zombie children slowly close in on them. The elevator reaches the top, and Rhonda exits, staring blankly as we hear Chip... Macy, Schrader, screaming, and then squelching noises. 
She passes the kid in the orange pajamas and burlap sack masks as she leaves the quarry, towing a red wagon holding a jack-o'-lantern lit behind her. Yeah, sort of a Bolivian army ending for the for Schrader, Sarah Macy, and Chip. What does that mean? It's like the ending of uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where they're surrounded by the Bolivian army, but you don't actually see what happens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they just kind of, uh, they run out and then they freeze frames, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we don't don't know for sure if they got eaten, but odds don't look very good. Do not look good for them. So, we cut to a path going through a wooded area lined by jack-o'-lanterns. Lori is walking through the woods carrying a basket dressed like Little Red Riding Hood. She checks behind her nervously hearing a twig snap. She turns around and loudly announces, I'm not in the mood, so just come out. Suddenly, she turns around, and the hooded man is standing behind her, and she screams. We cut to the party where her friends are waiting for her. Uh, it's in a clearing out in the woods. People are wandering around drinking. Janet, dressed as little Bo Peep, is double-fisting two beers while Danielle looks out for Lori. Janet says that she's a big girl and she can take care of herself. Danielle says she wishes that was true and that her mom always said that she was the runt of the litter. We cut back, and the hooded man has Lori shoved up against a tree. He's licking her neck, baring his bloody fangs, and he whispers, My, my, what big eyes you have. Little reference to the old fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Before biting her neck as she screams again. We cut back to Danielle and Janet. Danielle asks where the guy is that she's setting uh, Lori up with, and Danielle turns towards the giant baby. Suddenly, a girl screams as a body wrapped in a red cloak falls from the treetops, landing next to the bonfire. Danielle says, Lori, when they turn her over, we see that it's not Lori, but the masked man wrapped in the red riding hood cloak and muttering to himself. He says, please help me. As the crowd looks on, we see a POV of someone approaching from the woods. It's revealed to be Lori, sans cloak, casually walking up and showing some cleavage now. She's a little sexy. A little confident. A little confident walking up straight. So Danielle says that she's late and she asks what happened. Lori apologizes and says that it took longer than she thought. She listened to her friend's advice and played hard to get. He bit me, she says. Janet offers her a beer as the masked man quivers on the ground, begging for help. Maria leans down and says, say ah, as she pries open his mouth and removes his ceramic fangs and pulls the mask off of his face. The masked man is revealed to be Principal Wilkins. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? He did say he had a date tonight at the parade, and this is what he meant, folks. He meant he was going to go and fucking bite women until they bled to death i guess serial killing kids biting people's necks creepy guy this wilkins any serial killer that i see i'm like you are a creepy guy yeah canceled as far as i'm concerned (laughs) yeah i would cancel him that's all i I would yeah no i'd totally tweet about it um maria says i'm glad you're her first i really am i like you Wilkins says, who are you people? And looks to see that the clearing is littered with bodies of dead men, including the camera guys from earlier. Wilkins screams in pain as he lifts up his cloak and sees that his femur is snapped in half and sticking out of his leg. Lori says to Danielle, I'm nervous. And Danielle tells her that she's going to be fine to just be herself. Lori chugs a beer and Marilyn Manson's cover of the Eurythmics, Sweet Dreams. Another bad dude, but the song works. (laughs) Yeah, bad guy. Uh, But it is a very good cover. Uh, So this is the coolest scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. It's by far my favorite. By far the coolest scene. So Laurie says, it's my first time, so just bear with me. The girls begin to dance seductively around the bonfire, pulling off their costumes. We see one of them has sprouted huge fangs and big yellow eyes. The rest begin to do the same. Laurie Laurie pulls open Wilkins' shirt as the others continue to pull off their costumes. Their skin begins to tear and split, and Lori's spine starts shifting under her skin. 
Wilkins says, what are you doing? As we see one of the girls slice a, another's back open with her nail. The girls all start peeling their skin off, re- re- revealing bloody hair underneath. Their fingers sprout three inch long, razor sharp claws as they pull off the remaining swaths of skin. We see a close up of a big yellow eye and huge teeth before a wolf head rips into one of the men on the ground. A wolf approaches Lori, nodding to her in encouragement as Lori says, my, my, what big eyes you have before her face begins to elongate and sprout fangs. She rips into Wilkins as the other wolves howl at the moon. The kid in the orange pajama burlap sack mask sits on a log watching the werewolves as they begin to feast. So that scene was fucking sick. That yeah, it's like it was so cool the way they did it. Like the the music worked so well. The it was a, such an interesting way to do a werewolf transformation. Never yeah. seen it done that way. Yeah, and, I mean it's great. The, the the cuts, like the the skin being peeled off of the arm and then like just draped over like a log. It's great. Yeah, right. And like uh, I the first time I watched this, I did not see any of that coming at all. Yeah, neither neither did I. They very much like set Lori up and the the girls up to be victims. Like you think like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen to these girls. Obviously, right? <laughs> They're hot girls going out to party on Halloween. Yeah, and then they just fuck everybody up. Mm-hmm. Cool looking werewolves too. Very cool looking werewolves. So we cut to some trick or treaters dressed as clowns approaching a spooky old house with a metal gate. Inside, we hear someone wheezing as they look inside. The kids nervously knock on the door, and a series of locks begin to unlock. And the handle turns as the door slowly opens. Inside the house is black, and they can hear wheezing. Suddenly, there's a deep, horrifying growl, and glowing green eyes appear. The kids scream and run, abandoning, abandoning their candy as a beast chases them from the porch and down the street. From the shadows, we can see Mr. Krieg shuffle out onto the porch. He picks up Spite, a Jack Russell Terrier rigged with a mask and glowing eyes attached. Inside, Creek throws old black and white photos into a fireplace. His house is old and dilapidated. Uh, we see him sitting, watching the Set It and Forget It infomercial for a home rotisserie as he goes through the kids' abandoned candy. Remember when that, that commercial was just on TV all the time, like in the mid-2000s? I don't know if I do remember this one. I mean, oh, I, I feel like vaguely, I haven't not seen this imagery before. I just, I definitely remember like Set It and Forget It. And the one that I really remember was uh, the Egg Wave. That was like the big one that I always remember. Oh, yeah. I think that, might, that was around the same time. Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, Uh, he takes a bite of a candy bar and he doesn't like the taste. So he sets it down before he takes a pull from a whiskey bottle. He changes the channel to a news coverage of the Halloween parade, then flips the channel to the house on the haunted hill. Yeah. So this is a moment that kind of makes it pretty clear for us when he turns on the Halloween channel. The the parade, the the woman on the on the news is saying exactly what we heard her say from the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. So we get a pretty clear uh, understanding that this is a flashback. Yeah. The timeline in this movie is all over the place. It is. It is quite. It is like quite all over. It's almost like an anthology in a way, but like all the stories are really tied together. And yeah, it is, it is kind of an anthology, but it's tied together so well that it's all just kind of feels like one movie. Yeah. So um, he flips the channel some more, and then to Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, and then to a documentary on this history of Halloween before switching it back to the infomercial. Spike is barking at something outside, and Craig gets up to check. Uh, his gate is creaking, and as he looks, someone throws an egg at his window, breaking it and running off, laughing to themselves. Creed grabs his baseball bat and calls for Spite, who is outside barking at something on the other side of the fence. Creed yells for Spite to get inside, but he's busy chewing on something. Uh, we can see his little finger. 
he hears a noise and says, who the hell is that? I've got an NRA membership in my pocket and a shotgun over the fireplace. Uh, he sees that it's Wilkins in his yard burying something. And he says, it stinks like a dead whore out here. Meanwhile, we hear breathing and we see a POV of something watching Krieg. We can hear Wilkins hitting the kid with the shovel as Krieg tells him to, to keep his kid out of his yard before he heads inside. Wilkins says, happy Halloween. And Krieg says, screw you. And slams the door, not, uh, locking it behind him. Inside, Spite is barking at the front door. Krieg runs outside with the bat, yelling, Get the hell off my... Before he's stopped in his tracks. His porch and yard has been filled with jack-o'-lanterns. And he goes to smash one before he's interrupted by Spite barking at something upstairs. He goes to check it out, and he sees the doggy door flapping. Krieg grabs his double-barrel shotgun, loading it with two shells before heading upstairs to look for Spite. The dog isn't responding. Krieg looks upstairs. He goes to turn on the light and the bulb explodes as we see a small figure run across the hall from one room to the next. Spite whimpers and he cocks the gun and he heads upstairs. He opens the door to the bedroom, looking around. He can hear breathing and sees someone, something moving under the bedspread. He pulls it off and underneath it's a toy skeleton hand with little fingers and they move. Suddenly in the corner of the room, a flame bursts from the top of a jack-o'-lantern and reveals that someone has scrawled the words trick or treat, trick or treat, Give me something good to eat and blood all over the walls and ceiling. Krieg looks on in confusion as a tiny little hand from underneath the bed slashes the back of his calf. Much in the style of uh, Pet Cemetery. Yes, very much in the style of Pet Cemetery. That's correct. His leg is bleeding profusely and we see a hand reach up to the bed as the kid in the burlap sack mask and orange pajamas pulls himself from underneath. Krieg watches as the kid makes his way towards him. Jack-o'-lantern burning in the background and he says, who the hell are you? The kid peels open a candy bar, and we see that a razor blade is sticking out. Mr. Krieg grabs a shotgun and fires, exploding the flaming jack-o'-lantern, but the, the, but the masked kid is nowhere to be seen. Krieg gets up and limps down the stairs, but falls and tumbles down, and we see that the, the stairs are covered in candy, marbles, razor blades, and broken glass. He pushes himself up, but he screams to find his hands are, are bloody, full of tiny bits of broken glass. Mr. Krieg gets up and goes to his front door, struggling to open the series of locks with his glass-filled fingers as the kid peeks down from under the stairs. Above him, the kid is now crawling across the ceiling towards Krieg, giggling before dropping down onto his back and shrieking. The kid is pounding on Krieg with his fists before he struggles and throws him into a mirror. Krieg pulls himself up to his barred windows, seeing Wilkins and calling out for him. Wilkins looks at him and heads inside before the burlap mask kid tackles Krieg to the ground and continues to pummel him. Krieg peels off his burlap sack mask to reveal that the kid is actually a pumpkin-headed demon who shrieks in the old man's screams. The pumpkin-headed demon child, this is Sam, as we mentioned earlier. He pulls out a razor blade candy bar before Krieg throws him off and grabs his shotgun. Sam bites into Krieg's leg, and as he screams, uh, he turns to find the shotgun barrel pointed right into his face, and Krieg pulls the trigger. Sam goes flying and slides into the wall across the room. Pumpkin seeds and innards are oozing out the side of his head. Yeah, it's a nice touch. He has all pumpkin guts. Yeah. So Krieg manages to get him to his feet and reloads as he approaches Sam. He cocks the gun and shoots him from point blank in the stomach, and then again, blowing his hands clean off. Krieg goes to dial 911 before being put on hold immediately. Then the operator answers, but the phone is suddenly disconnected. He looks back at Sam, still slumped against the wall. But when he turns back, he screams, and we see that Sam's severed hand is stabbing him in the foot with the razor blade candy bar. He kicks it away, screaming, and it falls to the ground. He watches in disbelief as the hand begins to twitch and then turns upright and crawls away. Krieg says, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I'm trying to do a good Brian Cox. Kind of like in the thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of like in the thing. After somebody's, uh, the stomach splits open. And the teeth during the autopsy scene, I think. Or maybe oh, same the head line? crawls away. Yeah. Oh, nice. 
Uh, and uh, so Mr. Creed grabs the shotgun, but it's empty. He sees the severed hand walk across the room and poke Sam in the thigh. Sam, suddenly he sits up and turns to look at Krieg as the severed hand leaking pumpkin seeds reattaches to his body. Sam looks at his hand. Uh, Sam looks at his hand and wiggles his fingers. The hand is fully functional once again. Yeah, I think that's a moment out of child play too where he looks at the hand. Oh, hell yeah. It's like a Chucky moment. Oh, hell yes. So Creek says, oh no, as Sam waves at him. He begins to push himself away from Sam, puts his mask back on and grabs a big jack-o'-lantern lollipop from his bag. He approaches Creek slowly, taking a bite and leaving it with a sharp, jagged edge. Creek goes to reach for the whiskey bottle on his end table, knocking everything onto the floor. He smashes the bottle and brandishes it at Sam, who grabs his wrist and breaks his hand. Sam raises the jagged lollipop, preparing to stab down at Krieg, who screams. A moment later, Krieg looks up, and we see that Sam has stabbed into the unwrapped candy bar that Krieg discarded earlier. Sam holds up the candy bar and takes a bite. Satisfied, he walks away from Krieg, turning back to look at him before the door flings open on its own as he walks outside, and the door slams shut behind him. We see a shot of the fireplace inside. There's an unburned photo of disabled kids from the quarry standing in front of the bus with the driver, a young Mr. Krieg. What? What? Yeah, the wheezing because Krieg wheezes all the time. That's right, folks. Later that night, three little girls in pig masks knock on the door. Mr. Krieg opens it. His head and hands are wrapped in bandages and his arm is in a sling. The kids say, trick or treat. And he gives them each a handful of candy. Uh, the kids say thank you. And the littlest one says, thanks, Mr. Krieg. Great mummy costume before heading off. Yeah, this is kind of his Scrooge redemption moment. You know, like he's, uh, he's learned he's learned his lesson. He's got the spirit of Halloween now. He's a reformed old angry fella. So we cut to see little Billy Wilkins sitting on the porch wearing his dad's bloody dress shirt, tie and glasses, handing out candy. Across the street, Rhonda passes by the marble uh, across the street. Rhonda passes by the married couple's house, towing her wagon and jack-o'-lantern. She steps into the road, and an SUV stops before almost hitting her. Inside, Lori and her friends are laughing and licking their fingers before they pull away. Uh, Rhonda continues down the sidewalk, passing Sam in his burlap sack, mask, and pajamas, and staring back at Mr. Krieg as as trick-or-treaters pass by. We see the husband and wife returning home. She's dressed as a robot, complaining, saying sarcastically, it's just magical. Makes me wish every night was Halloween. And she goes to blow out the jack-o'-lantern before her husband stops her. He says, wait, wait, not yet. She pulls off her robot head, exasperated, and says, what? He tells her, you're supposed to keep it lit because of the ancient tradition. She says, it's Halloween, not Hanukkah. Our little friend here, his night's over, before blowing out the jack-o'-lantern. Sam watches from across the street as the husband says, you should be careful. There are rules. You might upset someone. As Sam looks down at his jagged lollipop and heads across the street, Krieg watches this before turning to head inside. There's a knock at the door. He opens it and hears whispering. As the camera pans up, it reveals the mud-covered zombie children from the bus. The boy in the Dracula mask holds up his bag and says, trick or treat. As Krieg stares back at them and we cut to black and we see comic book images of the zombie kids ripping into someone and we hear squelching sounds and screaming for Mr. Cox before the credits begin to roll. And that's the end of the movie, Joe. Yeah, really wrapped up so nicely. Just so many great reveals in this movie, Joe. Yeah, nothing is what it seems, you know. Nothing. I've watched it so many times and I feel like I notice something every time that I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty perfectly crafted and, uh, you know, a great Halloween movie. I mean, this is folks, if you're if you're uh, listening to this on Halloween, go ahead and rent this one for four bucks on on YouTube or 
or go to other streaming sites, whatever you want to do, find this movie and give it a watch. It's a, it's a fun one. Or, you know, just buy a DVD or Blu-rays. You're going to want to watch it again every That's year. very true. Every year. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a great, it's really good. It's really solid. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's a little scary. I would say, uh, definitely beats Tales of Halloween. Beats Tales of Halloween for sure. You know, the performances in this one, I feel like are all solid. There's not a single person who sucks as an actor in this movie that I noticed. No, no, everything was great. Everybody did a great job. I mean, the cinematography was great. The music was great. Uh, I mean, goddamn, just overall a great movie. Yeah, the Tales of Halloween, like we said uh, in that episode, if you watch that one, uh, that's like a good movie to throw on just at a party. You know, you don't really have to pay attention much. If you miss a part of the story, it's not a big deal. Uh, and all, all of the stories are s- split into separate things. But but this one, just just sit and watch it, man. You'll notice so many little things and everything, yeah. you know, everything comes full circle. It's awesome. It's really, uh, really great stuff. So what do you got? What do you got on the notes? Uh, the notes end. Uh, so Trick or Treat was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia was slated for theatrical release in 2007 Uh, after being pushed back the film was finally screened at a series of film festivals uh, winning the audience choice award of the 2008 scream fest horror film festival a silver audience award of the 2009 toronto after dark film festival the film was released direct to dvd and blu-ray in 2009 uh, and has since gone on to develop a cult following and it was only finally given its theatrical release on october 6 2022 oh so it never went to theaters no. And, uh, you know, like this one, I heard about it because I worked with a guy who was, a, you know, he was a film student. And uh, this was like back in when I was working at Best Buy in Orlando. And mm-hmm. uh, he had gone to a film festival and seen that movie. And he was like, dude, it's like it's so great. You know, can't wait to see it. And then I had to wait like two years for him to finally release it. God damn. Yeah. It was like kind of a, a crime that it was not released in theaters because it's like such a great movie. There's a comic book adaptation. Uh, DC Comics partnered with partner Wildstorm Comics was initially set to release a four issue comic book adaptation of Trick or Treat, written by uh, written by Mark Andreco and illustrated by Fiona Staples. Comic which pu- was pushed back due to the film's backlisting was ultimately released as a graphic novel in 2009. Uh, in 2015, Legendary Comics released the second comic, Trick or Treat: Days of the Dead, as a tie-in to Doherty's film Krampus. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he also did Krampus, which is another, you know, holiday horror movie. Yeah. Uh, not as good as this one. I was kind of, I was a little let down by that one after seeing this, but that's too bad. I also made it a PG 13, which I think was a real mistake. Oh yeah. You never do that. Never do that with a horror movie. Come on, folks. No, it's the worst. Uh, trick or treat the lore and legends of Halloween. Uh, the film explores real Halloween traditions and Halloween legends. Michael Doherty grew up obsessed with the holiday and did a lot of homework to find out why we trick or treat and get dressed up. And there are some uh, pretty creepy origins to the traditions that we take for granted. Uh, in the movie, each character experiences a different facet of Halloween night. Uh, the holiday is based on a variety of traditions beginning over 2000 years ago in ancient Britain, Ireland, and Northern Europe. The word Samhain, which uh, in English looks like Sam Hain, uh, means summer's end. It was also, uh, you know, Danzig had a band called Sam Hain or Sawin back in the 80s after the Misfits. Hell uh, yeah. Go Danzig. Uh, some of the traditions, they uh, they were, there were special foods that were offered to the dead. And Samhain festivals included human sacrifice to ensure a good harvest. Because, you know, back then the harvest was kind of everything. If you didn't have a good harvest, people were going to starve to death. Uh, it was considered a great honor to be sacrificed. 
people were chosen, uh, they took uh, a cake, cut it into slices and marked one slice with charcoal. And if you got the sliced mark with the charcoal, you were the one who was going to be sacrificed. Interesting. Uh, you said it was an honor, right? Yeah. But people, did people want to be sacrificed? I get the impression that some of them did. Yeah. <laughs> which is, All right, uh, yeah. which is wild to think about. Yeah. I mean, it is wild to think. It makes me think like, um, you know, if you get charcoal on your, uh, cake, that, that's not something that I would want. No, I don't think I'd, I'd be like, uh, you know, anyone want to trade? Yeah. Anyone want to trade the charcoal slice? Cause, uh, this is my final meal. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it was good cake. Yeah. Hopefully the cake made up for the charcoal flavor. But yeah. yeah. The Vikings did a similar thing too. They sacrificed people and it was like considered a huge honor and people were real stoked <laughs> to get sacrificed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe it's fun. I've never been sacrificed. Yeah, eventually they replaced it with, uh, I think they stopped killing humans and they burned black cats in wicker baskets, which is real fucked up. Oh, no. Yeah, bums me out, especially because I have a black cat that I love very much, even though she's a... Yeah. can be a huge pain in the ass. Keeps me up all yeah, night. Yeah, I had a I had a black cat in my last relationship that I really loved, and uh, I don't want to see her burned to death. I would much rather watch a human Viking burned to death than a cat. Yeah, me too. So uh, when Christianity came around, they attempted to sort of rebrand and co-op Samhain, which became the Feast of All Saints, and then eventually All Saints Day, and then All Hallows Eve, and then over time uh, became the modern version of Halloween that we celebrate today. Beautiful. The uh, tricking tradition was based on the ancient Celtic belief in mischievous fairies. Uh, Leslie Bibb, who played Emma, who is the wife in the robot costume, said that Michael Doherty was a scheming, cruel director who was constantly playing practical jokes on the cast. Okay. He's really fucking with them a lot, apparently. That's good or that's bad? At one point, they interviewed Brian Singer, uh, but he said that there was one night where his doorbell was just, I mean, he's just like ringing his doorbell incessantly at three o'clock in the morning. Okay. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'm not answering that. Sure. The next morning, he went out and he found a bloody baby doll in on his doorstep okay uh with a note that looked like it had been written by a psychotic person that said like please take care of my child good lord yeah and that was uh, that was michael doherty oh well uh, yeah, brian singer was deserved it uh trick-or-treating started in the 1930s as the way to buy off mischievous children and keep them from playing pranks on people really yeah since these kids were going out on halloween and just you know egging toilet papering people's houses doing all other kinds of pranks and they were like how do we how do we get these little monsters to stop fucking with us so they started having so who started it uh it was just like small communities in the 30s that like uh they started having like halloween parties to distract the kids and then that evolved into uh trick-or-treating wow it turns out that's a good lesson folks if you're if you're shitty enough and you cause enough havoc, you'll get a treat. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the kind of behavior we want to reward. Yeah, for sure. So just be bad. Uh, be a little little shitbag. And uh, we'll give you a Hershey's. Yeah. Costumes date back to All Souls Day, where people would dress up as saints and other uh, figures. Uh, and festivals like uh, Carnival and the Roman festival Saturnalia, which is, uh, you know, had a bunch of uh, orgies and all kinds of wild stuff going on, which is kind of like uh, speaks to the sort of uh, 
sexually charged adult version of Halloween that we get now. Right, right. Everyone dressing up as uh, you know, sexy M M&M, and yeah, sexy nurse. I I met a a girl here in the city who dressed up as sexy uh or slutty Adam Sandler. That one I like. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun spin on an old uh, cliche. Is it Adam Sandler from a specific movie, or just Adam Sandler as himself? I think it was just Adam Sandler as himself, just a slutty version. That's incredible. I don't even know how you yeah, would dress up as that, but nice guy though. I met him once. Oh, really? He's nice. Yeah. Oh, I. Oh, oh yes. I met him uh, briefly after the screening. I, I, I had like a SAG screening for uh, Uncut Gems, oh. and I went out to use the bathroom right when the movie ended. And he was uh, coming in through the hallway, down like the dark hallway, and people were like lined against the walls. And he was like saying hello to all these people. And then he passed by me, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, "What's up, buddy?" And I was like, "That guy rules." Hey, that's exactly what Tom Holland did to me. <laughs> oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah, <laughs> that's the mark of a good man. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm glad to know that because you know I uh, I soured on him a little for a little while, but then I like I started watching some of his old movies again, and some of them are still great in my opinion. Like, yeah. Uh, the wedding singer especially holds up really well. Yeah. He rules. Uh, so kids uh, started dressing up as monsters and ghouls in homemade costumes in the 1940s. That's where you get these. Like uh, if you look up these super creepy old pictures of just like a cr- classroom full of kids in the most terrifying costumes you've ever seen by the fifties, it evolved into more like uh, heroic figures like uh fireman and uh policemen, even though I don't consider them heroic most of the time. Uh, you know, cowboys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then by the 60s, you had the commercialization of Halloween costumes that sort of led to what we get now. Nice. There are some people who claim that the costumes are uh, the point of them is to be uh, is to camouflage you uh, and that you dress up as demons and ghouls so that the real demons and ghouls will leave you alone thinking that you're one of them. Yeah, uh, I like that. I, I'm a, I, I prefer a scary Halloween costume. I don't like uh not as much of a fan of the non-scary Halloween costumes. No, I, I agree with you there. When I was uh, when I was a kid, everything that I would uh, be for Halloween, I would be the dead version of. Yeah. So my brother and I, uh, my brother Anthony and I, we would be like a, a, a cowboys and Indians, which uh, you know these days you can't really be an Indian; it's problematic. But yeah. back then in the '90s, you know we were we were uh, it was not a problem. It was. We just didn't acknowledge it. Oh, it was definitely a problem, but uh, we didn't care. <laughs> so yeah, we'd be like a cowboy and Indian, but then we'd be we'd each be dead versions of those things. So my brother, my oldest brother Sean, was uh, was was pretty good with makeup. So he uh, and he had all these friends from like theater and movie sets. So he'd get like these like nice practical kind of like makeup effects and, and he'd put like bullet holes and like uh, a slit throat and all this stuff and oh that's great one time one of my favorite uh costumes was a dead tourist so i was a guy and we created our own backstory so i was a guy who fell off the back of the boat and got caught in the propellers oh nice yeah so i had all these gashes and stuff that's uh that's such a good one such a good florida costume yeah, yeah, it ruled. Yeah. I, sh- I should do it again, recreate Remember, it. Some friends of my parents were out on a boat one time and they saw some people on uh, like jet skis or wave runners who uh, crashed into a boat and the boat went over them apparently and they got sliced up by the by the propeller. Oh boy. Real horrifying stuff. Yeah, yeah, I knew a kid who got his leg cut off by one of those. I didn't know Oof. him, but I heard the story. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't fuck around on the water if you don't know what you're doing. It's not a safe place. Don't play with propellers. Yeah. You heard it here on the only horror movie podcast, folks. Well, a lot of people out there have this belief that um, you can you can just dilly dally with propellers, and it turns out that they're very dangerous. We don't want you to to get hurt. No, yeah, the 
poor manatees are getting sliced up all the time in Florida. Don't be a manatee, folks. Yeah, that's why they have manatee zones. So there's places where you have to drive your boat real slow because they're full of manatees and people tend to run over them, slice their backs up. That's right. Take it from the Florida boys. Yeah. Uh, oh, so the uh, the werewolves they were uh, they they made it, they were made of hair and makeup, but the heads were actually animatronic, uh, which gave them that real like uh, very lifelike look. That's great. Yeah, and they if you watch the movie, they look really great. Some of the best werewolves I've seen in any movie. I think. Yeah, they're really really spectacular. I agree. Let's see. Uh, jack o' lanterns. Uh, so jack o' lanterns date back hundreds of years. Uh, and the story vaguely is a. Uh, so Jack was an evil blacksmith so who uh, he tricked the devil somehow. And when he died, he wasn't allowed into heaven and the devil didn't want him either, but gave him a glowing coal and a hollowed out turnip and forced him to wander the earth for all eternity, which and that eventually evolved into pumpkins when Euro- European settlers came to America and realized they were better to hollow out and carve than turnips. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Zach Bennett has a better, more detailed version of this story on his Instagram. If you want to check that out. Nice. Um, That's great. Zach Bennett, comedian. Very funny. Yeah. Florida guy. I think he's moving out here soon, though. Yeah, baby. Uh, so the character Sam was created by uh, Michael Doherty back in 1996 to give Halloween its own mascot. Because he always felt like Halloween was the only holiday that it had its... Uh, iconic imagery but it didn't have a real mascot mm-hmm. you know like uh santa claus the easter bunny you know right uh so now we got sam and i think he's a pretty great one and he's based on a lot of old like drawings of like little pumpkin headed guys from halloween history that's great yeah i had no idea because i saw you call him sam in the plot synopsis and i, I didn't uh i didn't know where that came from. yeah yeah sam from uh Samhain or sam hain <laughs> hell yeah uh, that rules yeah Uh, So for Mr. Krieg, Brian Cox wanted his character to look like John Carpenter. Okay. (laughs) Right on. He said he met John Carpenter one time and he said he had this long, wild hair and this long, skinny nose. And he thought that was a perfect look for Mr. Krieg. That's awesome. So he was inspired by Carpenter and uh, Jerry Garcia. Oh, right on. Yeah, I can see that. John Carpenter is such a perfect, uh, you know, Halloween person. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm looking at photos of him and uh, very close. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I I love that Brian Cox was in, was in this movie because it's like uh you know, he's a a classically trained brilliant. He's fucking great. I mean, he's like a master. He's like a real real actor. So I love that he did a movie like this that's like uh you know, him getting attacked by a little pumpkin boy. Yeah, I feel like he and Anna Paquin and Dylan Baker really elevate it cuz they got like, you know, some really like great actors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also so this this uh, where I'm getting these notes from this special features about the history of Halloween. He also narrated that and he does a great job in the narration, too. Yeah, he's awesome. Okay, fucking rules. Last note I have here before we get to uh, our, you know, superlative picks for the movie uh, is that Sam was played by a seven year old kid named Quinn Lord. And they cast him rather than casting a little person because uh, Michael Doherty felt that kids had a different way of uh, walking and moving around and he wanted him to have childlike movements. And then they used uh, a gymnast who was four foot seven as his stunt double. Oh, right. Right on. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. All right. So that's all I have. And the last part I have is just uh, our picks for. Uh, you know. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So for me, best kill. I got to go uh, with uh, Charlie's projectile vomit, chocolate vomit. 
Yeah, right on. I feel like the one uh, Sweet Tooth might have been inspired by that. Yes, yes. It has the same thing with like the like you know digested liquid chocolate. Yeah, it was great. It's vomited up rather than being ripped out of his guts. I also like the werewolves eating Wilkins, but yeah, I, I would say that that's my favorite. I, I liked I liked Wilkins going down just because it was such a climactic moment and such a great build up and you know uh, surrounding all of the thing like every, the whole scene. Everything else happening around that kill was just so fucking cool. And then there was like this big buildup and like this ritualistic, like, you know, first time, you know, this is all this buildup for this girl to get her first kill. And uh, and that was my favorite. Yeah, I've watched that scene, you know, multiple times throughout the years now. And it, like it just it's always so good. So good. But, you know, for with Charlie, I felt like that was the most iconic like Halloween related kill, you know, because the always mm-hmm. check your candy thing. Mm hmm. And uh, we've seen it in other movies. You know, there was kind of a thing like that with the Night of the Demons with, the you know, the razor blade apples and stuff. Totally. Yeah. And also, I just love that it's Brett Kelly from Bad Santa. Yeah, that that rules. Fear meter for this one. Uh, I'm giving it a it's hard for me to say because I've seen it so many times. I'm going to give it a four out of ten Texas Chainsaws. Oh, Texas Chainsaws. That's my new my my new rating. So that for me, that's the that sets the bar for scary. Hell yeah. Okay. I um. I, I would give it a five. I would give it a five or six because mm. the just because the like the the jump scares I think are good. There's a lot of dramatic build up to um to to like the the whole scene with Mr. Krieg looking for the little pumpkin kid in his in his house. Yeah, that one was pretty creepy the first time I watched it. And I'm I'm giving it like a, a little bit higher. I think like I, I would probably go six, a solid six for this, just because I think now, you know, I'm, I'm a little more, I have a little more of a trained horror brain here for, mm. you know, so I, I think people who are easily spooked out by horror movies, I think this is going to be probably a, a good, a good six. For yeah. Them. I don't know if it'll give you nightmares and keep you up at like, you know, be disturbing. No, no, no. So uh, I, I, another person uh, in our writing group that I'm in with Monique, uh, Kadi Assad said she can't watch scary movies either. She said they just like, they fuck her up real bad and she, yeah. Just wants to talk about it and keeps her up at night. <laughs> it's disturbing. Right, right. Yeah, I could see that from Cody. Yeah. Gore score on this one, I gave it four out of ten Savinis. A lot of blood, but not a whole lot of gore. Yeah. You're not seeing a lot of guts and people being eviscerated and stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say I would say four to five. Mm-hmm. I would say four to five. I think just because there's some scenes where, yeah, maybe like the murders aren't that crazy, but, um, you know, there's some pretty gory moments like the, 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 the calf by Cree getting sliced or his Achilles heel or whatever that was. That's true. And yeah. then like the, just some, de- some dead bodies being found. though the mom or the, the, the wife being found in the beginning of the movie is pretty graphic, even though it's kind of silly. Yeah, that's true. So I'd say about, I'd say a good five Savinis there. The werewolves tearing their skin off. That one could be pretty disturbing. Absolutely. Yes, yes. In that case, yeah, maybe closer to five, six for me, for the Savinis. Pulling their entire arms and legs off. Yes, absolutely. Great scene. Uh, best line or my favorite line was definitely uh, Billy. Charlie Brown's an asshole. Yeah, man. I think we're tied on that because that's just a great line. I've never heard anyone call Charlie Brown an asshole. Yeah. You know, just coming from a little like seven year old adorable kid. It's just great. Yeah. And uh, it really makes you think, you know, and then the last time he says it, don't forget to help me with the eyes. That part was real creepy, too. Oh, yeah. The eyes. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I liked when uh, Laurie said, my, my, what big eyes you have, too. That was pretty cool. That was another one I considered. I like that one a lot, too. Yeah. You watch and like there's a lot of foreshadowing to like uh, references to like, uh, you know, big bad wolf stories to like Little Red Riding Hood and the three little pigs and Mm -hmm. all that stuff building up to that scene. Yeah. Um, Worst line. 
<laughs> for me was uh is that Rhonda the R word? Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, calling her the R word. Very uh two thousands movie when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely uh definitely think it's been dated a bit there. I did like um I don't have a worse line here. I do have uh I do like when um Chip or whatever the fuck, the kid of the pirate. Chip the pirate, yeah. Chip the pirate when he said uh he was like coach whatever was fucking a, yeah, a, a pig in the ass. <laughs> Dressed as, as a, a hot dog, fucking a pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a hot dog. That was another that was one. Great. I was like, that one's pretty great too, but yeah, that rules. I still think Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, totally. Favorite character in this one, gotta go Sam, but very close runner up is Principal Wilkins for me. I don't know. I think my favorite is is Creek. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Brian Cox really—he nailed that that performance. He's such a fucking shitty, curmudgeon old yeah. asshole. Oh yeah, and his performance was fucking awesome. And you know, he was just this old sad fuck that was like he stole candy from kids, and and then he got with what was coming to him. You know, and he had a long history. You know, he was he he hid in the shadows for fucking thirty years. Yeah, right. It's like he yeah, it was thirty years of uh, bad karma coming to get him. Yeah. And just also being the Scrooge of Halloween, you know? Right. You never see that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I just thought Dylan Baker as Wilkins was such a fucking creep. Like, he's such a good, creepy guy. Oh, he's fantastic. I love that guy. And then Sam, like, for just being in a mask the whole time, like, that kid uh, just gave him such a, like, uh, I don't know. Like, he's such a weird little creepy, like, silent. Yeah. Just even the way he, like, reaches and grabs a candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> from Wilkins at the beginning. Uh, yeah, really great. And then favorite scene had to be the werewolf transformation, as we mentioned. Yeah, I mean that's a winner. That's the that's the best scene in the movie. Full skin striptease. I mean, you can't beat that. You can't. Even if you, I mean, you should watch this whole movie. But even if you just watch that scene, I mean, it's impactful, and you'll never forget it. There's just nothing like it. No, you won't. I think there's some tits that you see before they turn full werewolf too. It's nice. Oh yeah, you see a little bit of tits. Oh yeah, it's everything you could ever want. It really this movie has it all. It's got uh it's got tits and women skinning themselves. <laughs> yeah, and people uh getting killed by fucked up little monsters and, and like uh hundreds of jack o' lanterns. Yeah, and everybody gets what's coming to them. Yeah. And nothing is what it seems and it really has it sets the atmosphere for Halloween like uh nothing ever has. Yeah, man. Tales of Halloween and the Halloween movies do a good job too. But you know, Halloween is just a slasher set on Halloween. That's true. This was the first movie that really was about Halloween and its whole history and traditions and origins. And done masterfully, folks. Yeah, it was a real labor of love. It was a passion project by Michael Doherty. You know, he he started with Season's Greetings, which I think you can watch on YouTube. It's like a five-minute little short that features uh, Sam as an animated character. Nice. It's worth checking out. Awesome. Um, I think that's all I got for this one. Sweet, man. Well, that was great. Yeah. Great episode. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Highly recommended Trick or Treat. Definitely check it out if you can handle it, you know. Totally. I think even I think even if you're a person who's scared of scary movies, I think it's so fun that it makes it worth your while. Yeah, and if you're scared, uh, sit down with your uh, with a friend or a couple of friends or with your uh, with your lover and hold each other. Yeah, get, get some blankets, get some snacks, and uh, if you don't, especially if you don't have any Halloween plans, but you still want to feel the vibe, that's is a perfect movie for that. Yeah, and Halloween's on a Monday, folks. So just go to work, come home. Order yourself, uh, you know, a, a pizza or, or whatever. Get some popcorn mm -hmm. and just have some fun. Yeah, eat some chocolate, but, you know, make sure you check it first. Yeah, dude, check that candy.
All right, folks. Well, hey, happy Halloween once again. Have a great one. Yeah, happy Halloween from the Only Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah, hope you've had uh, some fun over the weekend and uh, whatever you're doing tonight, uh, you know. Be safe. Watch out for monsters. There's real ones out there. We'll see you next week, folks. Goodbye. See you. <laughs> Ha ha ha!